gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run This podcast is proudly brought to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers. Remember, everyone deserves a soggy dog. Hey, if you like this podcast, please also go to iTunes or whatever platform you're on. Give us a thumbs up, five-star rating, and share it with your friends. Let's make our love of dogs grow throughout our network. Welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. I am your host, Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers. And today I wanted to talk about basically the struggles of using a training program to train your dog. In essence, why do people struggle when they're trying to use a quality book, DVD series, or online series to work with their dog? So... To look at this, what most need to understand is that about 90% of training, regardless of program, is going to be the same. And most of your training is following step by step, making sure that you're accomplishing steps, proofing steps, and have the dog all the way graduated through that step before you move on to the next part of your training. Now, what you run into is that if you're watching... A video or you're watching an online series or reading a book they're going to be talking about what the normal dog would do in that situation in other words the perfect dog when you're in a training situation and I will tell you after training dogs for 20 years there are very few that are in the quintessential perfect category where you work with them and you just drive them right through using your pressure and praise and they're accomplishing steps time after time when I have dogs in for my training program, uh, I do gun dogs, so I'm doing young dogs. When I have them in for this, I have usually around eight dogs in a group, and I do two groups. And sometimes in those groups, you'll have litter mates from our kennel. It is always interesting that they all move at different paces, they all struggle at different spots, and they all have something that makes them tick as in something that you can use to help push them through their training. And ultimately, just about all of them end up at the same place after three months, but they got there with some slight variations in their training program. So if you're watching a DVD series, you're watching an online series, what you won't see is how to handle all dogs and how they basically respond to pressure. Pressure in that when you are getting the dog, whether it's to sit or doing your conditioned retrieve or one whistle stop, how the dog is going to react. I guess the easiest thing for me is to talk about when I'm working with dogs with obedience as well as during conditioned retrieve because you will have dogs that you have to look at it as their job in their mind is to avoid pressure. They are trying to not do something and avoid the pressure. 
and it is getting through to them that one, they can't avoid the pressure and you're going to push through it and make them do it. But two, giving them a ton of praise. So you prey on their willingness to tr willingness to please that should be bred into a good dog so that you can get them to, I guess, choose the blue pill over the red pill. Choose the praise, which they want anyway, over the obstinance of that they want to be dominant and have control. I look at dogs when I'm working on my training and they fall into different categories. You have the dogs that will accept pressure and, and praise and pretty much push right through things. Then you have the dog that <coughs> will just eat pressure. I, I call them obstinate. They will sit there almost catatonic looking at you like you're not going to break me. You're not going to make me do this. You have the dogs that will get aggressive and think that if they growl or uh, show teeth or try to bite, that they will stop you from doing something. And then you have the dogs that will fall apart and cry and they're vocal. Maybe even roll on their back. The key is knowing that when you're in a good training program, regardless of which dog you have, you have to stay true to the program. Use your pressure, push through that step, but also keep praise with the dog. And keeping praise is one thing that many people will struggle with because when a dog is doing something, whether it's screaming at you, uh, vocalization, or they're being completely obstinate, it's hard not to, as a person, I guess, personalize it and get upset. You have to keep the same demeanor, whether the dog's doing uh, something on a faster pace or a slower pace so that you are not losing your temper. You're not screaming at the dog. You're not getting to the point where you're not going to be effective in training and you're using your pressure more as punishment because of how the dog is reacting. So it's causing an adverse reaction in you. The other thing to keep in mind is that when you're working with the dog, they can sense your feelings. They can sense your attitude. So you have to make sure you have a good training attitude. If you go to a hunt test with the dog and you get to the line and you're nervous, the dog can sense that. If you are working with the dog on a day and you're just in an awful mood, the dog will sense that. If they don't perform, you're still in an awful mood. You're not giving quality praise. You're going to set yourself back in your training. So make sure that you are in a good, a good spot while you're working with the dog. Um, so again, back to the, the, the dogs, why people struggle in their training programs when we look at the dogs that are vocalizing, falling apart, and, and quitting on us, it's hard to explain that in a training program, but it's also something that in today's society, if people looked at it as the dog was quitting, they will say, oh my gosh, you're too hard on the dog, you're using too much pressure. Well, no, the dog's trying to escape pressure, and they're using how they escape pressure, but in other people's eyes, they'll act like you're mean. You're pushing the dog through to teach them something. So keep that in mind when you're applying pressure. If you have a dog that is vocalizing and they're screaming, uh, yipping and, and, and making noise, don't let yourself raise your specter. Don't let yourself get to the point where you're really upset. And again, be fair with the dog, follow the program, push them through with pressure, but also give them a lot of praise. When you have your softer dogs, or even your harder dogs, if you've got to put a ton of pressure on them to get them to do stuff, still always remember you want to have lighter days, lighthearted days, lighthearted moments, whether it's 
with softer dogs, I'll start out maybe with fun bumpers when I'm working on my conditioned retrieve and getting them to work in the field and then turn into the field. Or if you have dogs where you're having to put an immense amount of pressure because you've got that obstinate dog, don't always look at it as, yeah, I can drive this dog to do anything. Still, make things fun after you're done putting the pressure on them. But again, as you are in your training programs, realize that, one, it's hard to explain these different types of dogs. But two, in today's society, you don't want something like that to be on a video because people that don't understand animals and don't understand training would take it the wrong way. And you could start a firestorm on social media. You could start a firestorm in the media for all that matters with someone that if people were educated and they understood how to train, they would understand that you're using a method that works for the dog because they're not people. A method that works for the dog because this is how dogs learn. And that would be, I guess, why people are going to struggle with stuff. Stay away from, in my opinion, the folks uh, in chat rooms, social media, that are going to tell you that you're using too much pressure just because of the dog's reaction. Again, could you be using too much pressure? Yes. Could you be using not enough? Yes. That's the benefit of experience when you've worked with a lot of dogs like myself. But you can't judge unless you're seeing a dog, I guess, to know how much pressure you're putting on it. And don't just take a dog's reaction as being too much pressure. Look at it as, all right, is the dog trying to do pressure avoidance through one of the tactics we talked about before? And if they are, how do I push them through to get them to the next step? So it's something that I've had the benefit to work with a lot of trainers. I've had the benefit to work with a lot of dogs that I've learned over the years. And too often there are people that have had that perfect dog that will drive through on training. Some of them even become pros. And then they struggle when they get into a training program when they have softer dogs because ultimately... A trainer that is training all types of dogs and not just saying, you know what, this one's not cut out and washing them out, that's going to be a trainer that's going to have more overall knowledge that can really help you grow as a dog handler and as a trainer. So if you don't have a lot of experience, you can try joining a club or put your dog with a trainer. But make sure if you want to train future dogs, you're understanding why the trainer is applying pressure, what they're doing, and how they're making the dog work. That is what the key is to a good trainer, whether it would be an amateur that's doing their own dogs or someone that wants to get into the business and be a pro. So I hope that helps you. Uh, it's just something I've, I've seen numerous times on, on social pages, so I thought we'd address it today. I really do hope that helps, and I hope that this helps you understand training more and your programs. The other thing would be don't take too many steps. Don't take too many jumps in your training where you're trying to accomplish 15 steps at once. If you get through a good number of steps that you think is fair for that day, stop there, end on a good note, and maybe just hang out with your dog and let them relax and kind of decompress. So those are my tips for you today. I hope you enjoyed this part of our main body of our show. We're going to get to our training tip next, which is going to be pressure and praise very good thing to have for today when you are doing your training how to apply it and different tactics you can use and after that during our hunting tip we're going to talk about handling once you're in the field so stay tuned for more after this coming up
This part of the podcast is brought to you proudly by Mech Outdoors. Hey, welcome back to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. This is our training tip. We always do one every episode. And today I wanted to talk about the concept of pressure and praise. What I see when I have clients in is that people, if you're looking at a spectrum of lots of praise and lots of pressure, people are in the middle. There's not enough praise, not enough pressure. We need to, as dog trainers and handlers, realize that we need pressure that is enough that in the dog's mind, they say, wow, that sucks. I do not want that to happen again. But then give an overabundance, over-the-top praise so that the dog is in a position where their willingness to please drives them to choose that. Uh, in our last uh, last section, I talked about the uh, blue and red pill, basically like the matrix. You're going to want them to choose that praise pill over the pressure pill. And the way that we do that is by making the praise so much that it really sucks and making the praise so much that it's awesome. In a human sense, how I explain it to my clients is... If you have a child that is very young that's reaching for a hot stove, at least back when I was a kid, we would slap the child's hand. And you slapped it hard so that the child went, wow, that sucks and pulls her hand away. Again, we didn't give the child a cookie. We didn't give them a piece of candy because we want them to understand and deter them from making that choice. So when you're doing your praise, try to think of it as a deterrent from making the dog make that choice. We don't want to hurt the dog. We don't want to turn a collar up so high that it is making the correction too much, but you want to find that correction style or that correction level so that it is a deterrent from having them choose that so you're driving them toward where they're going to praise you. And then again, making your praise over the top, happy, good posture. Realize that. Realize dogs read your body language, your voice inflection. Have it so that they are getting their praise that they so desire when they're bred well so that they are going to choose that. Then when you look at praise to pressure, I always tell clients you want to stick in that 10 to 20% negative. I like to be around 10%, very firm uh, negative reinforcement of something they shouldn't do. And then 80 to 90% positive. How do we get there? You might have a dog that's sitting and you want to give them a lot of praise. The dog's sitting. They're already at, in their sit position. You're telling them, sit. Good dog. Sit. Good. Sit. Good. When they're coming to you, you're going to bend over slightly at the waist. Maybe take a knee. Good voice inflection. Here. Good dog. Here. Yeah, that a boy. Good dog. Again, dogs don't speak English, but they speak voice language or voice inflection and body language. So use that to your advantage when you're using your praise and then again, find that level of your negative reinforcement so that you drive them toward that praise. And if you make that, I guess, spectrum really wide where you've got a big carrot and a big stick in essence, they're going to pick the carrot if it's really wide and it's a really easy choice for them to make. So I hope that helps you when you look at your training program and training your dog. Next, we are going to talk about handling your dog in the field. So stay tuned for that after this. This portion of the podcast is proudly brought to you by Boucher Automotive in Janesville, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. So this is our hunting tip, and I wanted to talk to people as we're in training season what to think of and what to work for once we get into hunting season. 
I always talk to my owners when they are taking their dogs home from training and tell them pretty much in, in, in no uncertain terms, the first few hunts, don't take a gun. Realize once you have that dog out in the field, yes, it's your shiny new object. You are so excited to have them out there. You need to focus on the dog the first few hunts. You need to go from being a handle or a hunter to being a handler. So not having a gun along is a good thing because you are going to just focus on the dog. Then you can work on your steadiness. You can work on the dog's retrieves. I also wouldn't have more than two or three or one or two shooters, two or three. Even three is too many to me. I like to have two shooters for a young dog so that the dog is not hearing just a cascade of volley of, of fire go off where you could have a negative reaction as well. Once you are just the handler, you can monitor your dog, you can watch your dog, and you can make sure that your dog is, one, doing what they're supposed to, two, and monitoring their reactions so that you don't have anything adverse that's going to come up. So again, when you get your dog, when it's a young dog, first out in the field on the first few hunts, just be a handler. Don't worry about the hunting. You're going to have 10 solid years, hopefully, of this dog in the field. Let's get them so that they understand why they're there. And they're going to understand and not be confused about these new things during the hunting field that we can't show them in training so that you can have a more successful relationship with this dog in the long term. I hope that helps. And again, if you guys like our podcast, please share it, to your, share it with your friends. Please also, whatever platform you're on, Give us a five-star rating, like our podcast, follow it, subscribe to it, whatever you can do. Because the more people that give us these positive feedbacks on the uh, podcast uh, group that you're listening to, the more people will end up seeing it. So let's share our love of dogs with everyone out there. Thank you so much. I hope you guys have a great weekend. God bless. Sporting dog adventures run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun. Everything you need is here.